According to Tom Rayner, the majority of Protestant churches in America average 10 or less salvations a year. Let's change the stat. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Hey everyone, welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. Today we have a great episode. Again, this yes. is uh, a part of an extension of season one as right. we get ready for GoCast season two coming March 1st, and very, very excited about that, and navigating this crazy COVID season oh my and goodness. all of that. But before, during COVID, did this interview with a great friend of mine, Justin Beasley, who pastors Hope City Church in Fredericton, New Brunswick. And uh, this conversation is awesome. Justin's a very inspiring, uh, great preacher, very inspiring uh, young man who's took over his church from his dad, so had to go through a transition, right. navigating that. We talked a little bit about that and transitions. But he also is pastoring a, a large, fast-growing church in the, the Maritimes, right. which is, you know, Canada is very... Uh, typical small church, difficult place to pastor, but the Maritimes probably accentuates that just a it's little a bit different more. Place, yeah. It's a different place, and it's it's even harder for churches to grow, especially uh, to grow large. And yet he has broken all the trends and done that. So as we get into that, we're going to hear a little bit about how he did that and and how he navigated a transition and and pastoring in difficult places. I think all of us leaders. Pastors feel like we're pastoring something difficult, but is there something that in particular comes to mind that that is maybe a challenge that you thought oh, this is difficult that you've had to kind of navigate through? Well, if I were to look recently, um, after doing uh, you know music ministry for a considerable amount of time, we just recently were asked by a very uh, yeah, who a reputable person to go into <laughs> children's ministry and the family ministry side of things. And so for my wife and I, um, as uh, excited we were for a new challenge, it was definitely, it came with its share of um, new perspective and trying to understand the ministry side of things, but also like not just understanding where it's at, but where do we take it from where it's at? And uh, how do we work along with um, the amazing people that are already in the department and take it to the next level. So uh, it pushed against some of my trains of thoughts for sure and uh, completely blew my expectations out of the water or my perceived expectations of it anyways. So what had, well, like in that transition, it is recent, I mean, COVID even, we yeah. asked you to, to transition there um, and go through that. So it's not the easiest ministry to grow on its own normally, right? Uh, but add COVID on top of it. So <laughs> what have you learned in this challenge? Absolutely. So the biggest thing is uh, my wife and I are, are just um, focusing our attention on, okay, what do we have? Mm. What's, what's here right now? And what we do have is a whole bunch of young, willing, um, excited junior leaders that want to be part of a church, which is just an exciting thought in itself. And so how do we grow what we have currently to help us operate in a bigger function? And so uh, the biggest thing we've learned right now is like utilizing what you have in front of you instead of waiting for God to put the answer you've been praying for right in front of you. you just use what you have. That's so good, man. We already, we're already getting into the deep stuff. That's, that's really, really good. I think that's uh, something that's vital for each of us to focus mm -hmm. on what we have and what God has given us 
not on what we lack. Well, along the same lines is a great conversation with Pastor Justin Beasley of Hope City Church in Fredericton, New Brunswick. So let's go to that conversation now. Hey, Justin, welcome to GoCast. It's so good to see you, my friend. Hey, good to see you. It's awesome. Well, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself and in particular, uh, your ministry journey. Yeah. Uh, my name is Justin Beasley. I pastor in Fredericton, New Brunswick on the East Coast of Canada for everyone that is not from Canada listening. And uh, I, I guess maybe I have a unique journey. My, my grandfather was a pastor and my dad a pastor. So the one thing I was not ever going to do was be a pastor. <laughs> I was going to love Jesus, love the church, but get a real job, make real money, and yeah. uh, you know, support the church. But yeah, so obviously God had a completely different plan. And uh, I, I remember being a kid, you know, that grade 12 season when you're deciding what you're going to do. And I remember having that one conversation with God, like, okay, God, I'll give you a chance. I'm going to apply to university, and if you've got something else for me to do, then, uh, you know, I won't get accepted to university. And uh, I always tell people, if you're having those conversations with God, you should already know. Yeah, that's so true. (laughs) So, you know, unfortunately for me, he didn't answer that prayer. And I was accepted to university. And long story short, finally, I just quit the wrestle with God. And I was like, no, I'm not supposed to go to university. I I just believe God's got something for me. And so I, I started Bible college and, Kind of the rest is, is history. Awesome. So you recently took over the church from your dad. Is that correct? Uh, I did, yeah. So I, I started serving with my dad. I uh, actually was in the States at school and came back to New Brunswick and just honestly started working with some of the teens, even still doing some studies online. And really, this my home church. My dad actually pastored in the same city since I was two years old. So, wow. So this is all I know. There was a transition. Uh, out of the denomination he was in when I was about 16 years old. Yeah. And so our current facility uh, when I was 16 really was an amalgamation kind of of two congregations more than anything. But yeah, so this is my home church and grew up here and so served along with my dad. And then he felt season was, you know, it was just time. Uh, he always used the statement, you know, out of the Bible that Bible says that David served his generation well. And he really felt that that, that was being spoken over him right and so we started the process three years ago of what that transition would be and so yeah about three years ago i became the, the lead pastor that's really cool uh, so tell us a little bit about hope city church in in fredericton and tell us about a little bit about its history where it came from and you talked to, you touched on a little bit about the amalgamation but yeah walk us through what all that looked like yeah, I, I always whenever new people come to our church you know i in growth track i like to give them a little history and and really pinpoint the key, you know, what I say, just key moments in the life of our church. Yeah. Because uh, I always believe, even though I've stepped in three years, like, you know, if you're coming from a church that that has been established for a, a season, a long time, like, it's not a matter of getting rid of what once was. It's building on on that foundation. And I, I believe, you know, I, I just give so much credit. Praise God for those, even those that are no longer living today. Yeah. That really built the foundation on which we're now seeing God just bless. And so our church is over 50 years old uh, as far as the, the original congregation. And the, the church um, in 1980, uh, they actually had outgrown a little building they were in. 
and uh, needed to build a new building. And so they actually moved onto farmland where there was no houses, nothing, and actually built a, a nice facility in, yeah. in the 80s. Uh, building that would hold about 500 people or so. Yeah. And uh, anyway, unfortunately, in the 80s, before you and I were probably paying any mortgages. Yeah. Uh, that was when rates were, you know, 19, 20, 21 percent. Yeah, I know. I remember my parents talking about that, and I was like, I can't even imagine. <laughs> no, no, we can't. And, and so anyway, so the church, you know, just, just I mean, still like they, they struggled, struggled financially, yeah. struggled with both. I mean, as we all know, a lot of times the financial burden can can really hinder a church from moving forward. Uh, the church was in the building and, you know, two years and the, the roof needed replaced. Well, the company that built the church had gone bankrupt and no oh, longer my. in business. So, so anyway, they, I always just share because some of that history, because I believe it was those people, those hundred people or so that were just faithful and gave and sacrificed when they weren't seeing any real results, like, you know, except we're taking care of this building. Uh, so anyway, that, that really comes to, to my story of when I started, you know, my family became a part of the church. With yeah. And I mentioned I was 16 years old. My dad uh, just faced some real transition in his life, a uh, denomination. He just really felt he no longer could represent that organization. Honestly, didn't know if he would be in ministry anymore. Mm. And this local congregation was in transition, uh, needed looking for a lead pastor. And someone said, maybe Joe Beasley. And so anyway, long story short, they approached him. It didn't make sense on paper or anyone outside to say, why would you leave that congregation to come to this smaller congregation? Uh, but he felt that was what God had called him to do. Yeah. And so when I was 16, I always say it was really an amalgamation because our church, the, the church here was running probably 100, 120. Yeah. And then really the first Sunday that my dad was lead pastor, I was a 16-year-old kid, uh, we had about probably 300. So wow. really amalgamation of sort of two two groups of people and, and the church just sort of continued to, to grow and I mean we made a lot of key decisions along the way my dad always led a church that was reaching a loss was growing yeah you know talk about it now and obviously I can talk from my season of leadership but our church always had been that church yeah uh, we just maybe didn't see it at the pace we're now seeing growth but it was a constant growth through, throughout it all uh, we end up building another new facility 15 years ago that holds about 1,100 people. And, yeah, God's just really kind of blessed us, and we're just in the middle of it now. That is awesome. So three years ago, you became the lead pastor, took over from your dad, transitioned there. So talk about that transition and, and how it's gone. The, the good or the bad? Yeah, well, both. It'd be great. To... <laughs> uh, no, honestly, I, I, I give so much praise and credit to my, my dad. Uh, and maybe there's a pastor that's getting towards the, the end of, of their their ministry trying to figure it out. Uh, I believe the, the success that I'm experiencing is because my dad transitioned so well. Mm. Now he's still here. He's on staff. Like, you know, just it's amazing. But, but truly, truly, he handed the baton of leadership. It has to be a God thing for that to happen. But I, I've heard some people ask me and they say, you know, what, what's that like? And, and how can you transition well? And I, I always say it's the handing of the baton, but in any race, the person that's doing the handoff to the next person, they have to let go of the baton. Yes. And a lot of times in transitions, that doesn't happen. That's the, true. The guy transitioning out, 
and he knows it needs to happen, but yet he still wants to hold on to that baton. And man, my, my dad just was incredible. Uh, we didn't talk about stuff. It was just, he did. He felt the mantle of God had been lifted off of him and he just let go. I mean, I remember Pastor Kevin, you know, one time at Teen Church, one day they had here. And so he really got talking to myself and my dad talking about transition and, and just, you know, to realize the little things my dad did, for example, the, the seat he always sat in in church, yeah. he moved and he said, Pastor Justin, you sit here. Wow. Like, I wouldn't have thought of it. Like that was not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. But, but just little insignificant, you know, for example, like where he always parked. We don't have any parking labeled outside our building, but where he always parked, he stopped parking there. Moved over to the next parking spot. Wow. You know, he got at his office and said, I'm going to move in this next office. Like, so these little things I always say was just vital. I, I believe in the church seeing that truly transition has happened and, and people really looked at me as a lead pastor and, and not my dad. And so, so really through it all, I was prepared, Kelly. Uh, coming into it, all stats would say uh, any significant transition in a church, you can expect a 20% decline in both uh, people and finances. Yeah, that's true. So yep. I, st- I stepped into it totally ready for that, but believing that wasn't going to be the case. Right. You know, so in other words, I'm prepared. I- I'm prepared for what could happen, but, but God, we don't have to be a statistic, which is really what this whole podcast yeah, is about. Yeah, absolutely. That will be the, the statistic that's out there. We, we can change things. And so, yeah, no, our church, we never experienced that. You know, we, we actually would be the opposite, a 20% increase in, in everything wow. over the last couple of years. So, so yeah, so it's been exciting. That's really cool. And, and really, I mean, big kudos to your dad because that takes uh, an enormous um, ego-less leader to be able to hand the baton off like that in in such a degree and to let go like you said i think that's a great analogy the baton is a great analogy but he also handed off the baton uh and and in a relay race the one handing off the baton is still running full speed i mean they're they're not tired they're not done that you know they they they, they still got some gas in the tank they can still go and a bit of the race actually yeah right and so he's still running beside you you know behind you cheering you on and all the rest of it but he handed it off at a time you know i think a lot of people hang on too long or they don't let go um but i mean the the fruit of what you're seeing now i think is is uh, a lot of praise has to go to him because of how he transitioned it that's amazing yeah absolutely so good so all right i mean so you're pastoring uh, an amazing church it's growing church. It's a large church in a region of the country where large churches and growing churches are a rarity. And I've been out there and I've, I've driven around in many of the cities and uh, out there. And uh, I hear from pastors all over the Maritimes about how, how tough it is, how tough an area it is, how churches don't grow. And churches, we don't get big churches here. And many struggle to bust through, you know, the growth ceiling. Man, what is it that is working for you? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you, you, you touched on it, and especially as I, I speak to, to our, our region. And obviously, I, I believe God's placed me here. Yeah. You know, I have a couple other pastor friends in this area that are leading churches that are killing it. And yeah. we, we really believe this is where God's planted us. Uh, we battle in the, on the East Coast of Canada. We battle just the poverty mentality. Yeah. 
it's just as a people, not we're talking, not church, not we, we battle that. You know, we don't have any real natural resources here now. Everyone leaves to go out west. But what has happened that has crept into the church. Right. And so churches just just even leaders, it's like, well, you know, things are growing here. Our population, they're shrinking. How is our church going to grow? Our population is shrinking. You know, and I do. I have families every year that that have to transfer because they're moving out west. They got a job somewhere. So, I mean, we we literally when our church grows, I even my dad's leadership, we always said in New Brunswick, you 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 basically have to grow double to even see increase because we have people. Yeah, and that's what that's what makes your church that and that's what makes it even more amazing. I mean, you're you're not just battling, you know, a mindset, you're battling very real statistics where yeah, where people are moving out. No, a hundred percent. But but again it's still back to to believing no, this is a God thing. Yeah. And I've always said if there's people, they need to be saved. If there's people they can be in churches. Yeah. <laughs> There's no reason they're, they're not in church. And, and I mean, I, I remember sharing a, a message once even here and, you know, probably a couple of years ago and ended up going into a series on it. But I really just taught about the God of the small. And I was just looking at, at how God as big as he is. And, you know, we talked all about that. But yet for some reason, he, he chose earth. I don't know, you know, the, yeah, yeah, the whole, yeah. <laughs> and everything. Yeah. And earth, you know, he, he chooses a, a little town of Nazareth you know, to, to send Jesus and, you know, even people are like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yeah. Like, this small little place, all of Jesus, you know, something like 80 or 90% of the miracles Jesus performed were in this little, honestly, this small little area, Capernaum. And, and so it's like, when, when you really look at all this stuff, then this is what I, I to fight this poverty mentality, it's, oh, God loves to do big things from small areas. I, I recently talked to a pastor. It's funny you brought up Capernaum because I just recently talked to a pastor who just was there in Capernaum. And he said the thing that shocked him the most is how small it was. Like he says, yeah. th- and this is the place where Jesus based his ministry. And he says it is like it was tiny. And he yeah. says it's, it's crazy. But it was very strategic because it was of a port. But that, that's really interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. So, so, I, so I would say, you know, when you say what's working, I, I mean, I, in speaking to pastors, it's really just, it's leading with vision. Yeah. It, it really is. And as much as, because as leaders, we get caught into the same mentality as our province, as, as our region, as our churches. And, and honestly, and my, my dad, I will tell you this, Kelly, just along those lines to, to see where we're at now as a church. Even my dad, again, I told you, he led a great church and, yeah. and we, we saw salvation and it was growing and we battled this all the time. But, but my dad just probably about a year ago or so in one of our conversations, we're, we're just chatting and he actually said in his years of leadership, he would pray. And, and it wasn't so much a prayer of faith. It was more a question mm. prayer like God. And, and he would ask God, like, God, can a church in New Brunswick really see salvations every week? Like, like, is that possible? You know, you see it out west, you see it here, you see it other places. But I mean, like, we're in the capital city of New Brunswick, and we have sixty thousand people. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. And so, so, and he would pray that. And so now that he's seeing it, you know, and just you know, still in his, you know, on staff, but just that number one guy praying for us, leading us, cheering us on. Now he's living that literally every week, seeing brand new people, 
you know, not just show up, but brand new people make a decision to follow Jesus. That's and awesome. it, you just, it's exciting to have that conversation because it's like stuff he wasn't sure yet prayed about. Yeah. He now is seeing it happen. That so, is so awesome. Come back to leading with vision and just believing, you know, that you don't have to be that statistic. That is so good. So talk to me about the importance of, you know, our mindsets as pastors. So how, how do you go about changing your own mindset? Because, I mean, this is... I mean, we can always look, you know, across the fence and, and see the greener pastures in the West or in a different city or, you know, God, you called me here and I could, if I was in this area, we could grow, we could see salvations on a weekly basis, we could if I was here. And it's, so we battle our own mindsets as a pastor, never mind, you know, battling what is a real spiritual battle around us and never mind trying to change the mindset of our people. So how do you go about changing your mindset and expectations as a leader to overcome what you're you're seeing every day as you go get a coffee or walk out your front door? Uh, how, how do you change your own mindset in, in that way? I, I I can only speak to our our region, uh, but I believe it crosses everywhere. I, I just you know I, I guess I have more personal conversations. And this has honestly been in my heart um, actually a couple weeks where there's a conference we're going to and they asked me to come do a session. And, and just in prayer, I, I really felt to, because it's pastors, leaders, and so I felt to, to just really go this direction. Uh, I, I would say this to leaders, change your mindset, especially leaders or guys that have been in churches for a few years and, they, you know, so they're, they're struggling. I, I would ask the question, you, you still have to decide who called you. Right. And what you were called to do. That's good. Well, what, what, what can happen in our mindsets, we don't realize it. See, in our region, I actually, honestly, I, I blamed a lot of just the churches for not growing. You know, well, they're, they're just too bored lit and they, they love the power and, and they don't want to grow because once they grow, they lose the power. And, and we deal with that. Yeah. We, we do in small churches, rural areas. Uh, that is there, but people still want to be led. And what happens is a pastor gets in, and I believe, see, all of us, I don't believe, very few, now if you were called to do this and you notice you're calling, that's great, but very few of us got into ministry, full-time ministry, whatever that was, we didn't get into it saying, man, God has called me to lead a group of 50 people and prepare a Bible lesson and get up and teach them you know, Sunday and then maybe a midweek service and then I do it again next week. And my calling now for the next 40, 50 years is to get up and just do this Bible lesson. None of us, very few of us, yeah. it's because we felt, man, God's called me to do this. Yes. God, we got into it because we believe God's call was on our life, that, that we, we were to be a voice in our generation, that we knew more people needed to, to hear about the good news. But what happens is we get into this church or get in this season and nothing's happening. And very quickly, I've just met too many pastors that I would say this. They stopped leading. They, they stopped having vision. They, they fell into this is my job. This is just what I have to do. I just got to take care of, of these sheep. And as long as they, I take care of them and they like me, then, then we're all really good. Yeah, we settled, don't we? That's so good churches so so i would say that, that that is as far as our region that is the biggest mindset mm. block that faces churches it's the churches are there people are there but we don't have enough leaders 
yeah. that really are leading. We have guys that are teaching Bible lessons and they're loving people that are just in the fold. But are they really leading? See, our job is to equip. Yeah, that's that's right. Our yeah, our job is to equip the church. So if we're not leading in that way. Our churches aren't going to grow. Right. And so I would say constantly, like, ask yourself all the time, like, I, you know, what is my purpose this week? Like, what do I want to see happen this week? I don't care where I'm at. I, I don't care. And if you're in a tiny little rural area, you make up your mind even as a pastor. This week, I'm getting out of my office and I'm going to meet someone at a coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's so many little things that, that just, just do do. I mean, honestly, my, my son right now is trying out for hockey and uh, Canadian thing. Yeah. Speaking about hockey, man, I saw I saw you're in a church league or something like that, and you're yeah, I, I, I saw like you. I mean, you're you're one of the leading scorers on your team, and I was looking at this, I was like, man, this guy's <laughs> this guy's a player. He's got he's got. I'm getting old. I, I, I quit the church hockey league because I'm a little bit too competitive and I got into a fight. So I was like, uh, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> My witness is gone. I talked about a guy the other day we were skating and uh, or playing a game and something. I, I missed the tip or I missed something. And the guy skated by and said, you're getting old, Pastor. I said, there's no, I said, there's no getting. There's no getting. I feel old to play hockey. And then with a bunch of... 19 20 year old but, yeah uh, yeah so but I just what, what I was saying is my son's trying out for for hockey and I could care less I mean sure there's every one of us yeah we want actually the biggest thing we don't want our kid to hear no yeah, you know? yeah so yeah. Uh, but you know I told my son and we we knelt down my son's nine years old and I, I said by the you know when we're doing our prayer time and he was saying how he'd really like to make the team and I, I said well man we just need to pray and I said, Let, let's just pray that whatever team you're on, that it's who God wants us to be with. I said, because there's some friends that you'll end up playing with. So who, who can we be an influence yeah, on? That's good. And I said, even for me as a parent, like what parents am I supposed to connect with this year? Yeah. Uh, last year, just just, to, just so, I mean, here I'm Leah's hurt, but I still constantly am trying to think that way. Yeah. Uh, this, this year, a guy on my son's hockey team and just one parent in particular, I just felt uh, you know, just sort of befriended them and I don't want, Hey, I'm a pastor and I, I, they don't have a clue, you know, I'm just, just doing life. And, but I, I just felt in particular this one, one father and, and family and started praying. And, uh, anyway, then towards the end of the year, we do a big day, uh, actually around father's day. And so finally after a year of hockey season and, uh, just actually it was the start of baseball season and our boys ended up on the same team. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I, I actually coached hockey, so it was harder to interact all the time. But we're standing there the first game, and and he starts asking, you know, really more in depth, like, "So you're you're a pastor, aren't you?" And I said, "Yeah." I said, "Yeah, pastor of church." And you know, he had no idea about stuff or the size of our church, and yeah. you know, I just kind of starts asking, and and then I said, "Well, man," I said, "We actually have a big day coming off a Father's Day event." I said, "You you'd love it, man," and he's just kind of he's like. My my wife might like something like that. Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, man, uh, you, you guys need to come out. And so just invited them, and sure enough, they showed up. You know, on on Father's Day, Very and of course, cool. then he was just well, like he was expecting. You know, one thing when he said yes, I'll go to a church. Uh, when he came in, he was just couldn't get the smile off his face. This place amazing. Like this is just you know pumping, and you know he didn't have any of the church language. To yeah, use. yeah. <laughs> that they were great and they're they're now you know that family the kids went to summer camp and awesome. they're here in our church now but it's it's no matter where you are 
you got to remind yourself all the time who called me yeah. and what am I to do. And, and so I, I, that's, it's not a matter of changing mindset. It's just going back to, to what the mindset was at the beginning. That's so good. I love what you said about, about settling. And I mean, that really speaks to what Jesus was addressing in the parable of the talents, right? And saying, you know, hey, don't just settle and saying, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to, to produce. Because built inside of each one of us is this desire to get fruit to grow. I mean, that's inside each one of us. That's placed there by God. We're, we're meant to bear much fruit. You know, Jesus prayed that for his disciples. And when we, when we hit a roadblock after a while, we tend to settle and we bury our own talent. Um, and, and we just settle and we're going, well, I'm just happy to, I'm just, and I've heard many pastors saying, I'm just happy with my small congregation and, and giving a weekly lesson and doing this thing. And it's like, no, no, we, we need to shake that mindset or that tendency to settle in each one of us, but also we need to shake that in our church, which you also spoke to about uh, leading that. And then you gave a great example of you leading that. I mean, not only are you telling the church what to do, man, you're inviting and you're, you're in, you know, speaking to people that are unchurched and mixing and mingling with people that are unchurched and then inviting them to church and, and seeing their lives change. So yeah, we, uh, that's so have, awesome. We have to do it as pastors. Yeah. The whole world is church people. Yeah. Like we, we have to be deliberate and okay, what am I doing? Where am I going? You know, I mean, we, we referenced hockey, uh, but our league, I actually started the league when I was probably 20 years old and it was a, it was a church league. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was like they, those days where, you know, Guys want to be really strict. Well, they got to be church members, and they got to. <laughs> yeah. Like this is not a church league. This is a Christian league. Like we're still gonna, yeah. you know, try to to show each other a little more respect than maybe the just the city league. And we're gonna, but like we want everyone to know they're welcome. And technically, we're now the only church team in the league. Wow! And it's just yeah. a bunch of kids from the community, you know, that that are putting teams in and coming, and we're just called the Christian league. And it's great because we are the church now pretty well that's represented there. Wow. And so even guys in the league are always just, you know, the only church they really know now is Hope City. But, yeah. but just all the time saying, no, we're, we're, we're here for people that aren't here yet. You know, yeah. now, I'll, I'll tell you this, not in our notes or anything. I had a business guy the other day he called me and uh, he was driving. And he said, man, he said, I got a, got a question for you. He said, I'm driving. My mind's going. And I was like, well, hey, what's, what's your question? And uh, I think I was in a store or something, and he said, he said, with your organization, <laughs> he said, who's, who's the customer? And I said, and, and honestly, I, I didn't even hesitate. Yeah. I, and I said, well, man, I, I said, I'm a little different than most organizations. I said, we're, we're a church. I said, the customer for me is the people that aren't here yet. Yeah. I, I, that's my customer. I said, every person that is not here yet. That's my customer, that's so and, and he's a Christian guy, and he said, that's it. He said, so many churches, he said, they think the customer is the people that are in the seats. Yeah. I said, no. I said, I said my, my prayer, my goal at our organization is that our customers come, and as soon as they come, they become an owner, and now yes. they're an owner. They know who the customer is. Yeah. And, and so it's leading leading in that way and just that mindset all the time is guys we are here for people that are not here yet that is awesome and that i mean that really is equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry and saying hey the ministry is 
to the customers who aren't here yet. So that's that's what our that's so good. I love that. Um, so how how many salvations did Hope City see last year? Yeah, I everyone's different, Kelly. I I'm actually a guy that I, I struggle with this, and it's awesome the guys that count it every week. I actually don't count. Yeah. Salvations. Okay. That's just me personally. As far as you know, every week we have people. There's not been a week since I'm a lead pastor that we haven't because we all every weekend we end give people the opportunity. Let us know. Yeah. I mean, I have like two or three that let me know every week, so I don't yeah. count them. But but you know, every week you know, yeah. there's never been a week that a new person hasn't responded and indicated. Uh, should we count it? I maybe we should. Uh, we just never have. So okay. I just tell people we've had a minimal of at least a person every week for the last three years and a lot of weeks, numerous people. Uh, we, we really, the numbers I do track, uh, we would, um, which was neat when you said, you know, the, the stats says that churches are about one salvation a year, if that, and Canada's worse. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so, so we basically are averaging about one baptism every week here wow. at our church. So, yeah. so I, I looked at that stat and I just, no one I was coming to this, I said, Hey, what, what are our numbers? And so we're right, right on pace. We have baptism again, at the end of this month, and numerous yeah, people awesome. uh, signing up. And so that is the number. Obviously I know we run a growth track here. So whenever people ask Christ into their heart, yeah. we always say, okay, that, that you just made a decision. That's just the beginning. We, we, you need to get in growth track and we want to walk with you and give you steps and how you're going to grow in your faith journey. And, and so on growth track, uh, we've had a uh, little over about 120 or so over the last year that have, have taken growth track. So, so it's exciting. That's it's awesome. Exciting in, in a city of 60,000 in a region where everyone says, well, they are, most of our churches are, are declining yeah. or closing. Yeah, uh, there's actually very few even maintaining just because what we wow. talked about at first, our population is leaving. And so it's hard to maintain. in yeah. Nebraska. And so most of them are actually declining, shrinking and eventually actually closing their doors. So, wow. so God's just doing something cool in, in our church for sure. Yeah, that absolutely. It is amazing. And anytime I go out to the Maritimes uh, and talk to pastors out there, I hear about you and your church. So it was really cool that we were able to connect uh, a couple years ago. Uh, yes. It's awesome. I mean, your 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 spirit's contagious, and what you're doing is is celebrated, and we're excited about you. So talk talk to talk to me about what's been your most effective strategy because you've talked about you know a number of different strategies you. You do an ask every single service. You know you got you're in the community, whether it be through hockey and baseball and and different things. Uh, you, so, what's been your most effective strategy as a church for seeing souls every single Sunday? Uh, I can speak to that. We're we're an Alpha Church. We we run the Alpha program. Yep. It's been been a great success. Uh, but really, even the Alpha program, I, I guess our greatest strategy would be this: is just we're a church that is a, a church that brings people. Right. We'll use the phrase all the time, be a bringer. So, you know, the Alpha Core is different. Than, like, if you don't have a church that's bringing, yeah. then, then it doesn't matter sort of what you're doing. Uh, also, we, we just decided when, when I stepped into leadership, I, I heard it said one time that, that our every day is someone's one day. Mm. And so my church knows, like, if I invite someone, 
like we we treat those. Yeah, we get together every weekend. We're we're always doing this. But someone someone this weekend, someone's husband, someone's kid, someone's you know parent that they've been praying for. They they said this weekend, hey, I'll go this one time. Yeah. And so just as a church and as a strategy or what? Yeah, I guess it is. We we just have decided that no, every time we're together. Every time we're together, we're we're going to be give people an opportunity to accept Christ, and, and we're going to be missional. Like, yeah, we're worshiping, we're doing our thing, but but we're going to give people an opportunity. And and so it has to be. Well, well I'll say it like this: actually, it's more than strategy; it's culture. Yeah. And because you can come up with all the strategies, but I heard it said like this: that that, that culture will, you know, trump strategy all day long. It's true. And, and if you don't have the right culture, it does not matter the strategy that you have. And so you have to, you have to create a culture that's bringing, but once they come, the culture has to be embracing that that when that person comes, they just, they, they feel something. They don't know what it is. They, they just know, like, I've never felt like that before. I've never been in a place where people were so happy to see me. So we just like that. I I had one guy, I can tell you story after story, but one guy came in, uh, honestly was, part of a biker gang and uh anyway he he ended up giving his life to christ and reached out to me i actually went to his house to see him i didn't know all the details honestly i was looking for the hidden cameras i thought i was being punked like i go into this guy's house and it's like you know he's like well this is the first time i met someone at this table and it didn't start with our phones being being put in a box locked up in another room wow yeah yeah. (laughs) living and I mean, his real thing is like, how do I leave the life I'm in? And, yeah. But he said something to me that was so powerful because he didn't look like anyone you would see in a traditional New Brunswick church. And, you know, he came in and, and he told me, though, he said, I've been to churches before in my life. He said, I, I've gone into churches before. That was my first time. And he said, even at the churches I've been at, someone up at the front would get up and say, you know, we're happy to have people here. And we're, you know, that this is great. But he said... He said, at your church, when you got up and said how happy we were to see visitors, he said, I knew it was true, and it wasn't because you said it. Mm. He said it was the people all around me were so excited to have me there. Here's the cool thing. That's cool. I saw him. I met him when he came in, him and his girlfriend, the first Sunday they ever walked through the doors of the church. I was actually a little late getting up to my seat. The music had just started. And so he came in and just naturally, like even I'm, I'm owning the visitor, same as everyone else. And I just have to meet him. And I was like, oh, hey, can I help you guys grab a seat? Just because I was the one there. I was yeah, going yeah, to run yeah. to get the position. And, my, and uh, so I, you know, where they ended up sitting that Sunday, what was really cool to me just as a lead pastor is he sat kind of in amongst a lot of my older people. Oh, wow. Like my haired, my, my church people yeah, yeah, that have yeah. been around for a long time. But when he told me that story, that's just as a pastor, I was like, that's awesome. Because it was a bunch of people that in a lot of churches, they would have been like, what's this guy doing at church? And, and what's his story? And then, like almost fearful. Because, yeah. again, he didn't look like a church person. You know, he, he's my number one bodyguard now. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, though. That's awesome. Good, you know, knowing, so that's culture. So more than strategy, yeah. it's, it's culture. And you you got to work hard for that culture because strategy, strategies, they'll come, they'll change a little yeah, bit. But the culture is that one intangible that if you have that, people will want to come and people will want to stay. 
Well, it really is a marriage between strategy and vision, uh, but, but a marriage between vision and, and culture. And you can have the vision of invite and, and be a bringer and, and all that kind of thing. That can be the vision that you can chant that, you can preach that, you can do all of that. But if your culture doesn't match that and you know when people come, there's cringe factors and, and the culture is one where they're not excited about newcomers coming, uh, oh, yeah. that doesn't matter how much you tell your people to invite, it's not going to work, and, you know, because the culture is not matching that. So I, I love that you brought that up and that is, that's really powerful. And, and I'll say, I'll say this, that some of the hard things in, and we've all dealt with it. See anyone that actually is leading a church that's growing and reaching people. Yeah. You, as you decide that truly is what you're called to do, you decide that is our culture. There are some people that don't get that culture. Right, that's true. And as as leaders, that was the thing that I probably struggled with or had to come to grips with, is I'm okay if some people don't get it. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Like if, if someone decides, man, I don't like, like I, I like the songs the way I always sang them or I like the volume the way we always had it. Or, I, I understand that. I, I get that. And, and so I have to be okay when they say, I, I got to, Maybe go to a church that's a little more doing. Go for it. Yeah. And and uh, you have to realize some people won't get the culture. And honestly, I had some people that transitioned away from my church mm-hmm. uh, in this season. Um, you know, over the last couple of years because they they and again there's reason your church grows so fast and. Well, the people I used to sit beside and the people like, where are they at now? That's, That's always like, my favorite excuse, by the way, is when people are saying, man, the church is too big now. I just, I'm just not comfortable here now. And I'm like, okay, well, tell me how many people we should send away so that you're comfortable. <laughs> like, what, right. what a crazy no, thing no, to no. say. <laughs> at the same time, get, but what happens, see, this is why pastors have a hard time. Yeah. Because we, we invest in those people and we, we do love those people. Like, like that have been around and have yeah. been here. And, but what happens is this is the struggle a lot of pastors have is, is as soon as there's some, again, that's why I said you got to remind yourself, like, you know, who called you and what you were called to do. Yeah. Because if truly you were called to just take care of 50 people and that that's your life mission, then, then do that. Enjoy it. You know, have a good time. For me, I don't believe I was called to do that. I believe I was called to lead this generation. I believe the church is the greatest thing in this world. Jesus established the church. If the church wasn't growing, you and I wouldn't be here today because the gospel would never have been spread. So I believe the church is to reach the lost. But I get it that some people don't get it, but you have to be okay with the fact they don't get it. I love them. I I know we're running out of time, but I I had one one person that transitioned away from my church. It hurt. Yeah. It always does. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Every person that, that transitions away, it hurts. Yeah. And, uh, and and I'd actually walk. This one hurt more than most because I'd actually walked through a lot of stuff with them mm. before I was lead pastor. Like we're talking tragedy, crazy stuff. Mm. Uh, honestly, I'll, I'll be honest. If there was someone that I thought would never ever transition away from my church, would be them just because of what right. we walked through with them. So so it did on a personal level. Out of any transitions, that that one that that one affected me the most. Uh, but here's the crazy thing. I mean, once I got through that and remind, spend my time with God, and you know, no, I, I'm still focused more on the people that are coming that don't know Jesus. Like that family knows Jesus, and they're and maybe where they end up getting established or planted now, they'll you know get re-energized and 
so so you believe on them. So anyway, this one of one of the, the this lady, I hadn't seen her and uh, run into her run, run into her in the gym. Yeah. And uh, she's leaving and like, hey, how are you? And she's like, oh, give me a hug. Like she was just so excited to see me. <laughs> I'm just like this is like honestly, I was expecting more a little more awkwardness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she was just like, how, "How are you doing? How are you really doing?" I said, hey, "I'm doing. You know, things are going good." And she said, "No, but really, how are you doing?" And I said, oh, "I'm doing good." And and she said, "Well, you know what?" She said, "All I know is you're leading a great church and people are getting saved, and that's what it's all about." <laughs> I'm like, you know what, here's someone that transitioned yeah. away, but yet I believe God's still, you know, kind of helped them come to healing and, and they're just, you know, so so you have to realize as a leader, I'm still called to, to lead a church that's reaching the lost. Some people might not totally get the culture. They might not get it, but there are great people and, and they'll they'll find their place. There's some people transition away and transition back. Yeah. <laughs> all of that but anyway that's awesome that's that's like what andy stanley says and i think it's so fitting to to close this way but focus on who you're trying to reach more than on who you're trying to keep i i love that and and it's obvious that you're doing that this has been so good thank you so much for coming on the program where can our listeners connect with you online and and learn more about hope city and and follow you on instagram our, our church website uh, myhopecity.cc. Yeah. Uh, me personally, I mean, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Justin Beasley. Uh, Instagram, Justin underscore Beasley. Uh, if they want to go there and kind of have some people help me out in those areas, and make sure I'm always trying to interact with people. So that's uh, awesome. Sure. Well, thank you so much. This has been so good, and uh, we're excited, excited for what God is doing in the Maritimes and in Fredericton and with your with Hope City. And and thank you so much for coming on the program, man. This has been awesome. Awesome. Thank you, man. All right. Welcome back, everyone. And that was a great conversation with Justin. I told you he was inspiring. He's every time where I first met Justin was actually at a, at a conference and yeah. we were in um, a range seating. We were at this conference. Pastors were told to seat and we were uh, seated right beside um, this young couple. And it was Justin and, and his wife, an amazing couple. And we were, it, it was in the States, this conference. And all of a sudden we found out we're both Canadians and started talking <laughs> and, and we just hit it off right there. And, and he's a great guy, uh, learned, have learned so much from him mm. and, and great preacher. If you haven't checked him out, you got to check him out online. Cause he's, he's a great communicator in that regard, as you have seen. So what's one thing that in the conversation that really stood out to you. I think I was hooked from the beginning when he was talking about transitions and just as much as when we're handing off the baton is the person handing off absolutely has to let go for the transition to be a healthy one. So many times in transitions, the person who is letting go of the baton isn't willing to, to fully loosen their grip yet at that point. And so it could, could cause a lot of frustrations in the responsibility authority angle. You know, yeah. um, So when he said like the leader needs to completely let go and just trust that whoever's grabbing the baton next can run full force with it. I think that was really powerful. Yeah. And you know, our, our level of respect for his dad and being able to do that goes mm-hmm. way up when you get a leader that's willing to to trust and to let go and, and to allow, even though there's going to be changes that I'm sure yeah. he didn't agree with um, or wouldn't have done yet allowed Justin to be able to do that and, and see the fruit. And it was sometimes, the, even if it's not right, you can learn from mistakes that way. Right. And it was even small things. So when his dad decided to finally let go, he even like changed the, the subtle things about like where he sat on Sunday morning and, and gave the seat over to his son. It was like the little small yeah. things where just showed honor 
and and just um, reflecting that he was willing to just step aside and allow his son to step in and do things. So oh, I love that. That's yeah. amazing leadership and such great lessons for all of us to learn. And we have many other lessons uh, to learn on GoCast as well. I love these conversations because there's there's so much I get to I get to learn while even doing the interviews and, right. and for people inspiring and going, man, I'm taking notes too. Uh, yeah, but it's uh, so good. So where can people find us on? GoCast. So absolutely. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or even our website at www.gocast.ca. Yeah, please do. We want you to be a part of the conversation, not just listening along. We would love to continue that conversation with you. So join us on those social medias and on the website as well. Next week, we have a great conversation with my friend, Pastor John Albiston, who is has worked alongside of us here at the church, but is now heading up um, at the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. He's one of the the vice, I don't know what, what his title is, but he's basically one of the vice presidents of, of the Alberta and Northwest Territories region. And he travels around encouraging churches and teaching churches and training churches on how to reach out and how to grow and how to transition uh, for success and moving forward. It's a great conversation. Yes. So here's a little snippet of that conversation with Pastor John Elbiston. It's bait that catches fish, yeah, not good. wishful thinking. Yeah. So same thing, if we're going to be fishers of men, how are we baiting the hook? Mm. So the churches that are succeeding are thinking, okay, are we baiting the hook for ourselves? Which is like a, a fisherman who starts putting sandwiches on his fishing hook. Yeah. No, it's not about our preferences. What's going to reach my community? So whether it's our social media, our website, our exterior signage, how we treat people in the parking lot, the front door, the lobby, you know, the welcome, the music, the message... Like we're, we're thinking about people other than ourselves. Again, this is ultimately, we're just taking the golden rule yeah. and the great commission and putting them together. Right. That I'm laying down my preferences and I'm trying to connect with you. All right. You're not going to want to miss next week's conversation with Pastor John Albertston. So join us same time, same place on GoCast. And also remember, season two is coming as we dive into what the church is going to look like post-COVID, and there's lots of changes that are happening. And so how can you and your church adjust to that? You're not going to want to miss great conversations. Season two begins March 1st. We'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.